33 is the time right now and you're listening to the 123 show with me Noreen Mir on this Monday afternoon and uh, time for this week's trash talk in which Marcy Trent Long speaks to Doug Woodring uh, from the Ocean Reliance uh, Ocean Recovery Alliance and also Andrea Riche of the Hong Kong Shark Alliance about their upcoming collaborative initiative called Dry Ocean. trash talkers my next guests really need no introduction andrea ritchie is the executive director of the hong kong shark foundation she joined hksf five years ago as a passionate volunteer and has really brought a new awareness to hong kong and how we should just say no to shark fin soup and doug woodring who organizes one of my favorite open water races here in hong kong called the clean half Doug has been fighting plastic pollution and been a leading advocate of protecting our oceans through his role as founding managing director, Big Cheese, at Ocean Recovery Alliance. So thanks so much, you guys, for coming and for being here. This, the background of the show is that Doug sent me a note saying we need to talk and, and we need to talk about a new initiative that he and Andrea have conjured up called Dried Ocean. So what is that about, Doug? Well, dried ocean is uh, an analogy to the desertification or the death of our ocean. And it's not only about sharks, but all kind of animals and obviously marine pollution and plastic. So when you look at some of the figures that say over 80% of the large fish are dead or have been overfished, uh, not to mention uh, what you see down in Shengwan and a lot of the markets here in Hong Kong, which is really a hotbed globally for the trade of dried seafood, we, we thought the name dried ocean is a perfect analogy. So if you think of eight out of 10 things are now gone uh, to service the ocean, that's a bit the same as you having um, only two days out of 10, you can brush your teeth or flush your toilet <laughs> because you're not being serviced. And now the ocean is not being serviced and not being serviced for decades. And, and we haven't paid enough attention to that. And so one of the prime examples of that, obviously, is our, our lovely sharks and the shark fins. And we can even go into Saing Poon still and see shark fin stores and dried shark fin. So what what are some of the things that you're building on to do on that? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've been talking about shark conservation for quite a while. Uh, shark Foundation has been around since 2008. And we are focused on um, changing cognitive behavior on the grassroots level. So some of the things we've been doing is circles around education. And we're big on education in schools. And so, for example, in 2019, we spoke to over 10,800 kids. And um, we are always looking to expand. We're, we're farmers. We're planting those seeds of change all the time. And uh, we are doing it, hopefully, through education of students. I know that takes a while to grow those new trees, but it's still important to plant those seeds. But we're also involved in, um, you know, uh, changing habits at the grassroots level, like uh, people being having their company be a shark-free company or having people have a, a shark-free wedding and not just having the wedding but then educating buddy everybody at the wedding about why that the bride and groom chose not to have shark have a shark-free wedding right or why they chose to have a um a wedding that that is doing away with a tradition that goes back to 960 a.d 
Right. And it is important to protect traditions. It's, uh, but there's nothing wrong with pivoting those traditions in a way that still protects the ocean, right? And so then that comes back to this dried ocean concept that there's different levels of awareness. So there's the awareness of, of the person having the banquet and you and I as a consumer that we don't want to eat shark fin. But then there's also this other level of awareness of the seafood stalls in Saing Poon and what Hong Kong government, et cetera, might be doing about that. Right. So one of the challenges, uh, you know, even with the sharks is that the reason it's still all happening is because it's not illegal. And Hong Kong's a free trade port. And that's one of this is one of the great proofs of uh, where free trade uh, harms the environment. And it's a great example of laissez-faire economy really hurting the environment. Hong Kong's footprint on the planet per capita, uh, this per personal use of things, is bigger than any city in the world. Uh, when you look at this kind of ecosystem, consumption and trade through Hong Kong to other countries. So uh, unfortunately, because it's a free trade port, there's not many regulations. And the only sharks that are on the list are the ones that happen to be lucky enough to get voted onto the CITES International Regulatory list for protecting wildlife trade. And usually the animals that get on that list only get on when it's almost the end of their career as an animal in the ecosystem. So it's way too late to actually protect them. Meaning they're endangered already. Very endangered, almost already gone. So uh, we're not going fast enough to put animals on that list. And that includes sea cucumber and abalone. And a lot of this is run by the trafficking, which is the same as the guys who do the drugs and the ch child and uh, and other and weapons, right? And so the high profit margin in all these products. Bad guys. Bad guys, unregulated. They control mm. their turf in uh, different countries, and the local people get almost no money for what they actually sell those products for in those local locations. And, you know, that's kind of interesting because it parallels what's going on with waste here, right? It's pretty unregulated still. They haven't passed the waste charging scheme, etc. So it's on the onus of a lot of us to actually focus back to education. And so that's what brings you back to the Shark Foundation and why then you guys have to keep focusing back and back on having individuals actually take the initiative rather than the government. Absolutely. Education is so important. And it's not just of kids, but it's of the general population. Maybe you don't know this, but um, we eat mostly shark fins in Hong Kong. We also eat something called squalene supplements, a basic kind of like maybe you remember your parents saying, take this cod liver oil, right? It's the same sort of thing for arthritis, etc. Um, but did you know that the country that eats the most shark in the world is Brazil? No, and the why? second largest is Italy? Huh. And third is South Korea and Indonesia kind of tied. It's because the shark fins come here because people in Asia are willing to pay that much. It's the most expensive item. But the rest of the shark is now being sought, caught and sought for liver. You see, sharks don't have bladders for buoyancy. They have very oily livers. Huh. And so those oily livers are used for something called squalene. And that squalene goes into women's lipstick, women's makeup, moisturizers. Yeah, that's why South Korea is so big. That's why Italy's so big. The skin is used to make leather products like bags, belts, purses. 
Um, you know, so the whole shark is being used. Um, steaks, shark steaks, like a swordfish steak or a tuna steak. Yeah, they used to be really popular. Yeah. And I was doing some research, and on the Internet uh, a couple weeks ago, I found a an American chef promoting wild mako shark steaks, a recipe for it. <laughs> mako shark was the 10th shark that was added in, I think it was 2019, to the CITES um, endangered species list. So, you know, people are not aware. So that education is across all boards. I just want people to understand that this is not a Chinese issue. This is a global crisis. And we all can do our part by changing our habits. Yeah. And, and just understanding where our food is coming from, right? That is certainly something that when I grew up, people didn't talk about. I, di- I didn't know. I in, in the, the old days, uh, when we hunted whales for the oil and seals, uh, most likely this liver now for the sharks is a sort of replacement of that exactly. in some different ways. We don't think because about they're it. less protected. Well, they're less protected, and that, and you can't, yeah, you can't hunt them as you did a whale in a hundred years ago. Uh, but also, having said that, this is why sharks and the top of the apex predator list have so much toxins in them because they are aggregating uh, toxins in the whole life of that animal as they eat smaller fish and are exposed to more and more pollution. So when you have one of these squalene pills with oil or you have a shark fin, there's very high mercury content in all sharks and tuna and other fish. So we don't even really know what we're eating in the sense of, uh, you know, what's good and bad for us. Right. Well, that's kind of a downer for seafood right now. Absolutely. (laughs) This is why it's the dried ocean. All right. So let's get back to the dried ocean. Now, how are we going to promote this concept of awareness for the dried ocean, both bringing together the fact that you go to Saing Poon and you see all these animals from the ocean which are being depleted, hanging up, dried in the seafood stalls. And is it is there a parallel to the plastic pollution there at all? Or is it um, well, just focused if, on if that? If you look at uh, what they call resilience for climate change and humans trying to survive in a climate change world with floods and disasters, uh, the ocean and the animals in the ocean need resilience to be able to survive in a world where they're being hunted by bigger ships, more technology, more radar, farther offshore capacities. You know, we're really our fishing fleets globally are looking for the last few fish um, in the deepest waters. And so when we think of the dried ocean, it's not just Hong Kong, even though that's a great symbol of because there's so many dried shops there. This is really a, a global message. And sometimes it takes a different wording and different phrases to catch people people's attention in a different way. So we've been talking about ocean preservation and plastic pollution and sharks for forever, but maybe some goes through someone's ear and out the other. But you say the dried ocean, they say, what the heck is that? And then you start a discussion and then you explain it and, you know, you can. this is just another way to... To, to get a point across. And then in your education, are you taking people? Mm-hmm. I saw a photo, you're taking mm-hmm. some trips down mm-hmm. to the thing. Does that seem to be working or effective? Or? Yeah, I think that's very effective. I think it's real eye opening, right? People say, oh, I lived there for years and I never noticed it. You know, mm-hmm. I lived in that neighborhood. Um, I take schools on field trips. I'll take 
private tours. I just think people should see the actual um, – the, 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 the market there is bustling, right? It's a multi-billion U.S. dollar business and there's no curb. It's not illegal as Doug said, um, uh, but, but it's definitely poisonous, not only mercury but arsenic and lead. High levels of this in the shark fins and the shark meat it comes from the bioaccumulation and I think the older generation really need to, to know about this and when I give my talks to kids, I say let your grandparents, let your parents know, right, that it is no longer safe to eat this. It's actually all fish, right? But it's no longer safe to eat shark fin soup because of this high level of me uh, heavy metal in the shark fins, which – and then I ask them this question. Where do you think that poison comes from? And invariably, every kid gets it. Pollution. Hmm. It's the plastic in the ocean. It's the pollution. Little fish are eating, you know, all exactly. those microcosms, right? And then the apex predator shark has to eat a lot of little fish every day to fill its gullet, right? So I think it's important that they, you know, that the kids understand this, but then they become our little shark ambassadors and they take that message home. Yeah. So it's just one way of getting the message out to people. Oh, well, that's so, great. So, you know, to that point, it's also uh, coal power plants and all of the industrial pollution, which rains back into the ocean, and that gets the heavy metals, not not just the plastic, but um, the uh, Andrea's photos of her doing her tours in Shangwan. I've sent them to friends in the U.S., and they all say, "What? What's going on? Why is this still allowed? We thought it was illegal because they all read that in China you can't have." Um, shark fin at government banquets. So people just assumed that it, it was stopped and done and they didn't even realize it. So even even getting people overseas to know that you're doing these tours and these photos is already helpful. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It helps get the word out. I mean, the point is that the dried ocean concept that Doug came up with is really about extinction. Okay. And the extinction is over due to overfishing. And I'll give you a perfect example in Hong Kong. When I came here 30 years ago, we had um, no shark nets at the beaches, but we had six people killed by sharks. And so the government knee-jerk reacted by putting shark nets out. And now all gazetted beaches have shark nets, but we have no sharks. They literally have been driven to extinction. I in thought this area. those were plastic pollution control nets to keep the plastic off the ocean of the LCSD beaches. No. <laughs> How are those working out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Doug and Andrea, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us about this. So, trash talkers, please reach out to Hong Kong Shark Federation uh, Foundation, excuse me, if you want to go down for a dried ocean tour mm -hmm. in Saing Poon. Yep. And keep an eye out for Ocean Recovery Alliance and their initiatives to help with plastic pollution. Don't forget to reuse, reduce, recycle, and we'll talk to you next week. You can find all the Trash Talk episodes on iTunes and the RTHK on the Go app. Thanks to our partners, Plastic Free Seas. Many thanks once again to Marcy Trent Long for this week's Trash Talk, and she'll be back again next Monday on The 123 Show.